Are you curious about how you might have a more fulfilling work life? Well, you're not alone. In fact, the numbers show us that many of us want more fulfilling work lives. I'm Susan Mikriadon, your host. And as a finance director, ops director and leadership coach, who has lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences and perspectives. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the people side of work life and explore ways to let your uniqueness shine through by sharing insights, stories, strategies and techniques to inspire your work life. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Alan Creedon. Alan, you're most welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Thanks, Susan, or should I say Suze? Ooh, <laughs> not so sure about that. Well, Let's go with Susan okay. for now, Fine. <laughs> or whatever you're comfortable with. Now, Al, or Alan. <laughs> whatever you're comfortable with, Suze. <laughs> I read on your website that real value comes from interactions rather than cash transactions. And as someone who often thinks about how to look beyond numbers and numbers in cash transactions now and the life beyond that, this is a phrase I wish I had come up with. <laughs> so maybe you could talk to me a little bit about what you mean exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is, I guess, something that I've learned through years of doing local food businesses, I think, mainly, because through working with people who are, I guess, more interested in creating relationship over creating profits, that seemed to be a way that people had more value in the work they were doing. Obviously, within that, when you're working with businesses and running businesses, your profit line is always in your mind, in a sense, or the pound sign is always there because that makes it work in a sense. But at the same time, being able to look into the relationships that you're creating through the work and actually really look at the value that those relationships bring and how they can be developed is a really fulfilling thing. And I guess I realized that I was getting more value from those kind of relationships and developing those than actually caring about making money. That's really interesting. And obviously money is important because you don't have a business otherwise. Mm -hmm. But you used value in a couple of ways because you talked about the, the monetary value of the business, but the value the relationships bring and the value that you then put in your work, which is not a monetary value. And I don't know, it's like we need a new way of expressing value because people often think about value being about money yeah this is it and it, yeah it's funny because I, I have just written an article for a magazine that i write for about that very thing and it, yeah it's the, it's the same thing you know it's it's like but i call it profit and I, i'm just like rethinking profit 
you know, how can we, how can we like, what's the word, reclaim the word profit to, to mean something that happens between people rather than just the bottom line? Because I see so many businesses, even, even you know, small uh, rural businesses like where I live now with small turnovers and everything, but people are really frustrated that they're not making enough money. And that blinds them, I feel, from the possibility of relationships. And that's where the value is. And so in my work, I, I do try to help people see that more and see that through trusting and interacting with other businesses doing a similar thing. They are all kind of working in the same direction. And I guess I kind of take that as well from the nature side of things, because within an ecosystem, you have things working. Yes, there's a, there is a competitiveness in a sense, but there is also collaboration and cooperation without which the ecosystem would not be. So how can you bring that way of creating to, to how businesses work together in a local place? I really like that. And reclaiming the word profit because actually as you were talking I was thinking profit has become the restraint or a restraint for a lot of small businesses as opposed to relationships being a way of opening things up mm. and there's so much pressure isn't there yeah to, to make it work like you need to give it this much time you need to put this much work into just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing I don't think that happens in nature <laughs> you know, no. that, and it, it's maybe not a, a simple comparison, but it's definitely one worth making. It is. And that stillness or time to think or time to talk or time to interact <laughs> rather than just transact mm. is a really nice way of looking at things. And it brings to mind something else I'd read that you talked about William Henry Davis this poem that he wrote well over a hundred years ago. Yeah. Do you remember the first few lines? No, I don't. <laughs> I know it's it's the, the stand and stare. What, what's, yeah. what's the first? We have no time to stand and stare, no time to stand beneath the boughs and stare as long as sheep, sheep or, cows. or cows. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that line has come from our uncle, Uncle Tom, who he did, I, was that in his on that little funeral piece of paper? No, thing? I got it from your website. Oh yeah, but I think it was also on that. Yeah, but yeah, because he, I remember as a, as a kid, him saying that to me. I don't think he mentioned the poem, but it, it always reminds me of him anyway. Because although he was a farmer and you know had to make a living, and he always talked about being able to just stand and stare, being able to take time out to take stock and look at your surroundings and just enjoy the scene that's in front of you. So I guess, you know, you could say it's stress relief or you could say it's a way of unwinding or, or just finding that space which actually can be really useful because in a reflective state, you can really create space in your own timeline and that can help you to figure things out in the longer term. When I think back, Tom was always one of the most content people with his work, his life that I've probably come across in my life. Yeah. And maybe that's what I remember as a child, but he always had time for us, time for everybody and loved his animals, loved the fields, loved his crops. Yeah. So 
there is something to be said about being still and taking that time. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think as well as that, it's like how you're able to kind of maybe surrender isn't the right word, but just, you know, fully engage with what you do. And I feel like he really did that. He was really connected to his land. He was, I, I don't feel like he was the type, I sort of somebody who was hanging out with him when he was my age. I don't feel like he was the type of guy who was kind of thinking, oh, if I only I was set up this business doing this, or if only I was living in, you know, California, whatever. He just seemed like he had come to peace, some sort of peace with, with his work and his world. And he just worked with it all the time and in a kind of peaceful way. Mm. Yeah. And there was, and I think that was, I think something we both learned from. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And as you speak about him there, I think one of the questions and a lot of times when you're doing self-development or professional development, whatever, one of the questions might be, what would you like people to say about you at your funeral? And having sat through Tom's wake many years ago, the amount of people that came and spoke about him and talked about things like nature and what we're talking about now, finding mm. time and in love with your work and in love with your life was pretty outstanding. And mm. I think for myself, if, if I could have people speak about me like that, that would be amazing because yeah, he was so well remembered yeah, definitely. I, I think there was more than one person that told me about him giving them trees and plants. Like so many people said that. He was like a sort of nature dealer. He was kind of like handing, handing out stuff to people left, right and centre, raising these trees and, and distributing. He was really connected to the land. You know, he was really into sort of creation and distribution. Like he was part of the ecosystem in some way. And also when it came to machinery and things like that too. So it wasn't just the land. I think the whole farming from start to finish was his world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And he taught himself everything, didn't he, to weld and to build all these sheds and to make build machinery even repair it all. Yeah. He's, he was just he took his time with everything and learned it all. Yeah. So I think if you think about the things that they say motivate people, autonomy, mastery and purpose, I think Tom had all of those three. Mm. And I'm constantly learning life lessons from looking back on him and his influence on my life. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I agree. Now, Alan, tell me what is mindfulness oh just jumped in there with two feet what is mindfulness well i think we've already talked about it in some ways mindfulness is it can be everything we've touched on it a bit talking about my uncle with the standing and staring but also with being connected to to the work we've we've talked about it when it comes to looking at, at systems differently. For example, I feel like the way I look at profit and business and uh, relationships is also a mindful thing because I've been present enough with it to really look at what's, what relationships are or what things are standing out to me. And 
really what I feel mindfulness has brought to my life is is things like that being able to be present with the situation I'm in to be able to notice really the the, the subtler things that I, I could actually feel in a bodily sense and you know that might sound might not make sense to some people but to me it's like when I think about the relationship side of things it, it hits me here you know it hits me in the heart or in and because okay that may sound you know, soft or not business-like, but actually when there's a physical reaction to something, there's really a, a connection. And it's about exploring that. What, what is that? What is that sensation I'm getting? And, and to, to sort of follow that back to, okay, it's because of relationships or that in it, that's mindfulness. Mindfulness is the ability to take time out and be still. Mindfulness is the ability to discern between which thoughts are helping you and which are hindering. It's a way to to look at the world of your own experience and see that the thinking mind and who you are in the world can be often be very much at odds. It can be two very different things. And it's a way of aligning those things so that you are using the mind instead of being used by it because quite often we spend, can spend so much time reacting and judging and creating stories in our head about what's true that we lose sight of, of what we're doing in the world quite often. And so the mind rules our experience rather than us feeling the world in a sense, like I said before, and then using the mind as a tool to make that better in some way or to facilitate what we're doing. So a couple of things came up. The first thing that I thought about was being told years ago to take your thoughts for a walk, not let your thoughts take you for a walk. Yeah. And so I think that is one thing, but it's the world of your own experience and discern helpful and hindering thoughts. It all sounds like sensible and amazing, but it seems to be something that a lot of us cannot do. Mm. So can you maybe give an example of something in your own life or an easy way for us to start doing this? Yeah. Yeah. An easy way. Um yeah, or I mean, simple. It doesn't have to be easy. Yeah, but. well, it's it's interesting because it's all simple. In my training, you know, they they were, this mantra is on repeat almost. You know, what we're doing here is simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, and I think you probably get that in a lot of different trainings. But the concepts are simple, and the idea of being able to watch the mind is is a very simple idea. But in in the reality is we get caught up so quickly in thinking and thoughts that it's actually really difficult to stop and watch the mind. But one way to do it is, is as you said, taking your thoughts for a walk. So, yeah, I guess with mindfulness training, we try to really focus on the body a lot so that you feel grounded in what you're doing. And walking is a really good way to, to feel grounded because with every footstep, you have the opportunity to reinforce that grounding feeling. And so when you're in your body more, you are less in your mind. So if you're going for a walk, it can be good to sort of slow down your steps a little bit 
be aware of your body and how it's being in that moment. And that's the first step. <laughs> it's still to speak. And then the next part is, is to be able to, to try and open up your senses, to hear and see things a little bit differently. And it's, it's actually, it's not, you're not looking for anything different. You're just hearing and seeing. And I think we, we spend a lot of our time, even we may, you may, for example, walk a certain route to work every day uh, or do a certain walk every day or every couple of days or once a week or, or run, run a route regularly. But if you're able to take a moment to tune into your body and your senses on that very same route, you will guaranteed notice different things going on around you. Noticing the thoughts then, you know, okay, so that, that's a simple exercise to try. What can you notice? And then noticing the thoughts, for some people it's easier than others. So what we try to do in, in the trains that I run, we, we, we just sit and sit and do nothing. It's basically what we say. So I, we try to get people into a bit of a relaxed state and then you sit and do nothing for as long as possible. But what does that mean? So before you know it, the mind starts up kind of going, okay, so what is this sitting and doing? Nothing what is that I'm supposed to be, but I, if I'm just sitting here and we don't often notice those thoughts happening, they're just like wearing away in the background the whole time, but they are thoughts. Well, quite often people don't even think their thoughts, right? But to actually create space in the mind is a skill and you need training to do it really. Although having said that, I reckon it does come naturally to some people who are, you know, can be hyper-focused and because I think the focus has a lot to do with creating that space. But most people need to be trained to do it, definitely. So so to to train yourself to kind of work on your thoughts or or become more aware of of where your top thoughts are taking you, it takes a while. It's it's just, it's it's simple, but you have to go through a process and you get it and then you can do it yourself kind of thing. So yeah, that's that's how it works. So do nothing. It do sounds nothing. blissful. It sounds like going on holidays or whatever. Mm. Now, maybe people think doing nothing means sitting in front of the TV or cleaning the house or, you know, we're not used of not doing anything at all, just yeah. being still. Mm. So when you say doing nothing, you literally mean sitting in one spot or standing in one spot? Yeah, well, well, how I started doing it, before I, I did mindfulness training, I spent a lot of time doing nature connection stuff. So I would go out and just sit for 10 minutes. I you know, started with small amounts of time, 10 minutes. Just go, in some ways it's easier in a natural setting because there's something soft about nature that's it's pleasing to look at. It's it's the space in which we evolved in some way. So in many ways, we potentially feel can feel more at home and more relaxed in nature. And, you know, trees give off certain things that relax us and, and all of that. It's just our habitat in so many ways. So going and sitting on a bench or, on, or under a tree, it, you have a little bit, in my opinion, you've got a bit more of an advantage. So that, so I did that for for. A long time. Maybe I'll start with 10 minutes. 10 minutes can feel like, set an alarm, 10 minutes can feel like an age when you are just trying to sit there. And 
and not look t- at your phone or something. Yeah, I think God, you know I set my alarm, but surely it's not. I think it's definitely something wrong with it. I'll just yeah. check it. All of that, and that's the mind. That's the mind. There you go. The mind will do everything it can to distract you, to get you to think something's wrong. Like really, like something's wrong. Like oh, there's some, oh, there's something crawling on my leg. Oh my god, you know, there's it'll do every everything it can to get you out of there, basically. <laughs> so because what like sorry, can I just what, no, yeah, go for it. Yeah, what is what does it want <laughs> in that moment? Why doesn't it want you to stop? Yeah, this. I mean, I think the the mind or, or the ego. I guess a lot of people would say wants you to be safe and safety is about control and for the ego anyway and i think when we when we put ourselves in positions that are a little bit out of the norm the ego that part of us that wants control gets quite upset <laughs> gets a bit like oh okay you are sitting here doing that. that's but it's not okay because actually you should be because we are in such a zone of doing, 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 uh, and pu- pushing ourselves all the time. And so when we when we try to sit still, the, the ego doesn't like it. Plus, you there's potential to think about things that you don't want to think about in that time, and it brings up fear because of that. But it's not a valid fear. It's just fear of fear itself or fear of the unknown. So yeah, so I think. From my experience, I just decided to stick with it. So I did like 10 minutes and then half an hour, an hour, several hours, overnight, days on end. And that's how it went for me. And it was hell, you know, in so many ways, hellish. But I got places, even though I went nowhere. That's quite nice. That's a bit of a Dr. Seuss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the end of a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. No. <laughs> So I, you talked about should and doing, doing, doing. I think that's one of the things as well. I think that perhaps in the era we grew up in and society that we grew up in, society values, and we're back to that word again, but society values you doing, doing, doing. And, you know, the devil will make work for idle hands. I can remember that as a child quite frequently. So I guess a lot of us carry messages from conditioning that also are pinging as we try to sit still. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's definitely happening. Yeah. (laughs) And so in a in an office or a workplace. What's to be gained from sitting still? What's to be gained from removing yourself from the chaos of the busyness? Well, you can reset yourself a bit. One thing in the, in the training I do is I do a three-minute breathing space, which is a very simple process of you notice where you are, you tune into how you feel in your body. Are you feeling anxiety? or And it's especially useful when you are feeling a bit of anxiety because the point of... of anxiety in a sense is is it's telling you something and and not to ignore it you know and we get quite good at ignoring it or it's driving us in some way but actually to just sit and be with it for a moment how does it feel any thoughts coming up because of that and then noticing your body again and your breath and then just going back to what you're doing so it's 
a really simple thing it takes three minutes but it's a way of resetting yourself because something what happens when we're in a busy zone when we're working and stuff you know a certain thought or a certain something can get hold of us and be kind of like running the show in some way without our even realizing it until we stop and go oh what is that I'm feeling really anxious right now oh, okay it's because i think i left it plug on at home or you know it could be something as simple as that or something somebody said that just creates this really strong feeling in your, in your body and we really are physical beings but we, we don't take much notice of it a lot of the time so it, it can be a really great way to reset you in that office space definitely mm. yeah I, I think a lot of us perhaps go to work from the head up mm. that's all that's expected of us <laughs> yes yeah, but there's so much more to be gained by engaging below the head as well. Definitely. And getting them work together. Yeah. So you talked about nature and the connection with nature. And if we live in a built-up city where there's not much green space or in an office block that you have to walk miles from an industrial center or whatever to get anything that resembles nature. Yeah. Are there other ways of becoming mindful of connecting outside of ourselves? Yeah. I, yeah, I really think there are. And in some ways the ideal is to be in a wild place with a babbling brook and deer bouncing around the and beach. stuff out of the beach well, right whatever feels like the ideal <laughs> nature place for you yeah exactly but the reality is every breath you take is nature you know every interaction you have is nature and has the potential to create something within you but you know being outside is one thing you always have the sky above your head always it's always there and you always have this like this in some ways this connection to the infinite space above you and although it sounds it might sound like oh yeah but that's like what is it <laughs> but that's nature you know that is like that's nature we're surrounded by it no matter what happens and people are nature and even our computer is nature on some level <laughs> on some level it is because it's a, something that's created in the world I take it to that extreme because in a way it's like everything that we create is nature in some way and it comes from nature it all comes from nature all of it so but yeah just consciously connect uh yeah be becoming aware of the sky above you when you're outside that is one way of doing it and for me the breath is always a great way to connect if you're walking down the street just bringing awareness to your breath and bringing awareness to the sky above you it's just simple that ex expanse you know feeling that notion of the expansive space above you because quite often we get so caught up in our little worlds that we feel like there's nothing else and the expansiveness of space can be such a great sort of what's the word not the antithesis but the uh whatever foil to that. well it's almost like a leveler in a way yeah our it distinguishes between us being small and just a tiny little speck yeah. in this great expanse of a world and that there's a world outside of us. Yeah. 
And, and a lot of that can come from the sort of head-based experience because when we're so in our head, we feel like nothing else is real apart from that. And it can be a very damaging thing. What can be a very damaging? Uh, to, just to feel like nothing else is real apart from the little problems that you have that may feel quite big, but in the grand scheme of things, of the world and everything like that, the perspective is needed in order to reduce the worry and the anxiety and things like that. And those are the things that, that make small things feel big a lot of the time. It's like you can create a horrible big problem very easily just by worrying about it and giving it, feeding it, basically. Yeah. And so for your own life, Alan, yeah. what has mindfulness done for you personally? Yeah, loads. <laughs> um, and it's a combination of, of things for me. Everyone has a different combination of things that have, I guess, got them to a certain mind space or whatever. But for me, uh, nature connection, I trained in mindfulness a, a couple of, for the past few years. But before that, I realized I was kind of doing it anyway, just like we all are in some ways. You know, we're all kind of doing it. It's just you kind of need to go to sort of point it out to yourself because when you point it out, you can make that opening a little bit bigger for yourself. Bring, it's just called bringing awareness to it, isn't it? You bring awareness to something, you've got the potential to expand it. So when I was doing Nature Connection, I still had the busy, a really busy head, like lots of turmoil, lots of stuff. I'd suffer with depression in my life. I suffered from a lot of anxiety, really low self-esteem. And nature, the nature side of things really helped to soften my attitude towards it and then mindfulness training really like pulled me out of my own head in a way that nature connection alone couldn't do or at least how I was trained to do it and what was it about that do you know where that shift occurs yeah well it's hard to say it's it's just that thing of practice I had a discipline of practice with with nature connection for sure and that did no end of good for me. But with mindfulness, I really, you know, stuck with it. I had an on-off relationship with it for a while, but but then I really stuck with it solidly. And I just started to notice my mind becoming clearer. I started to notice I was worrying less, that I was far less bothered about what other people thought about me, that I was not in the judging zone with people, but just asking questions more. I felt... I had fewer barriers in front of me to doing what I wanted to do. And in part, it was like all the other work I did just suddenly became really clear through mindfulness. It was like mindfulness was key. Huh? the key, the key. Yeah, something like that. It was like, it was like, I was looking, I'd done all this work. I had like been outside. I tidied up the whole garden, which was a real mess. And I went back in the house and the window was filthy and I couldn't see through it. And so I couldn't appreciate all the work I'd done. And then mindfulness was like cleaning the glass. And then suddenly I was just like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's totally fine. And I think that this is what mindfulness can really bring you, this idea that everything's okay. Not like everything's amazing or everything's, you know, we tend to go like everything's amazing. All right? And if it's not, it's a problem. So if it's not amazing, it's shite. And we're in this polarized zone so much of the time. But if you can, what mindfulness can bring is this balance of the two things and go, everything's okay. And if everything's okay, what's the problem? <laughs> and actually, it's a very fulfilling place to be. Everything's okay. 
I really like that. If everything's okay, what's the problem? Yeah, the t-shirts are being printed tomorrow. Great. <laughs> but I, you've also made a really good point about how we want to go from okay or crap let's say or whatever to amazing we we actually don't want okay okay doesn't seem like an okay state mm. yeah it's such a, a deep thing isn't it because i guess you know education is one we are educated to to be polarized in so many ways you are either a winner or you're a loser in, in school, in sport, in so many things. You've either got it right or you've got it wrong. We're so much in that zone. And, and that's all that makes sense to us. Even me saying this now, to, to maybe to you, to some, some, some people, well, yeah, of course, you either get it right or wrong. That's it. But that's not it. It's like, it, it can just be okay what's happening. It can just be how you do it. <laughs> because that is the only way it can be. How you do it is the only way it can be. And you have to be okay with that. I mean, you can get better at it and all of that, but you have to get okay with it first. You have to be okay with it. And I think we, we are so in the zone of like, it has to be up here. It either has to be great or, or it's terrible. And there's no in between. Learning to be okay with stuff. We're not trained to do it. We're just not. And when I teach people mindfulness, so much of the time, people give themselves a hard time for several weeks going, I'm not getting it right. But there is no getting it right in the whole thing. And no matter how, how many times you say that, and even in my practice now, I, you know, that still creeps in. I'm not getting it right. And that is conditioning and nothing else. Conditioning. But we feel like that is universal truth, right and wrong. But it's not. It's conditioning. So, yeah, <laughs> take that one home. <laughs> I really like it and having been trained in a in the numbers profession yeah things are right or wrong mm. and I suppose what opened my mind up more and more as I went through my working life was things are gray everything that I do there is no right or wrong mm. other than the numbers which I can't necessarily control but I can get them to balance I can yeah. get them to be okay but with people I have to change my approach there is no one right way or no one wrong way well mm. there are some wrong ways actually and 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 you learn so much more about I think it's okay as well to not know it's okay to enter into a room in where the conversation may get really tricky or tetchy and sit there and just be with that other person. It's okay not to really think through what the outcome will be other than you need to have this conversation. Yeah. And a lot of us, I suppose, spend time trying to predict what will happen and therefore don't stay present because we're not listening to what the other person is saying to us. Mm. We're listening out for what we want to hear. Yeah, totally. And, and that opens the door to so many things like judgment, defensiveness, all the things really that make for a terrible conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and terrible relationships yeah. without value, which brings us full circle almost. It's nice. the value is in the relationship. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. 
And that's part of the goal-oriented culture is that we are supposed to be reaching for these outcomes the whole time and manipulating things the whole time. Yeah. Whereas Rather than the process. Yeah, the allowing between people. Because like there's synergy, well, synergy, is that the word? Mm-hmm. You know, we have potential between us to create something new all the time, just like this conversation, you know. And that's something we don't value so much, I think. It's just like, I have this plan to do this and my job is to get you to agree with me (laughs) or something or submit to me in some way boring that's like that's why the the you know world is in crisis that's why nature is messed up because we're dominant we try to dominate everything yeah yeah so what is your solution <laughs> I just gave you the solution. <laughs> oh no, but you're a personal one. How can you help people? This is something that is a theme of my quieter moments, partly because I have learned, you know, I've worked hard to free my mind to a certain degree. But yeah, I mean, I teach mindfulness. That's one way I help people. Uh, and I, I nature connection workshops and things as well. And maybe what is nature connection? Because we've talked about it a few times around it. I don't know if we specifically yeah. said what it is. Well, I mean, it, it is just awareness, really. You know, I mean, there are ways of creating conditions for people to open up to nature in a more relaxed way. And it's so much of it is about relaxation. So no matter what situation you're in, if you're relaxed, you're more open generally, whether that's conversation or a business meeting, rather than holding tension and wanting to dominate, if we're in this, you know, relaxed state, then we open up and people, and it's not like we're we're not necessarily looking for some kind of magic, like fairies to appear sitting on a toadstool and stuff like that, even though that can happen. It depends on the person, really. (laughs) What they're smoking. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Or what what they've eaten. But I, I, I do think nature connection is all it needs is for us to be willing to do it, to open up to it. So what I feel is a lot of people, um, feel that they're not connected to nature enough and it's true for most people because we don't make space for it in our lives and each individual's relationship with nature can really in my opinion affect the whole if we are a a nation or a race or a world that values interaction with nature whether it is just acknowledging flowers as we walk by or or rolling around in the grass or just taking a moment to appreciate something. One of the things that that I, we, we try to work with people with is, is just being able to really slow down and look at something. When you regard something in nature with a bit more time and effort, or, or not, not effort, but more time and just allowing, you see the kind of intricate detail in things. And it's not just like, okay, someone's designed this on a, on a computer. It's like, this is billions millions of years of evolution that have created this those kind of interactions start to to start to fire off in our brains and we we begin to see that we are part of a really complex system that we have been born out of and that's how i guess people start to connect with it and and when we and I think my feeling is when we when we connect with nature in that way we see that it isn't a resource that it is 
something to work with and that's why people are quite upset a lot of the time about the world being destroyed because we the general thing is to see nature as a resource and not an ally or something to appreciate and acknowledge and and be thankful for you know that's it you know we've all come from it even if we now live in houses and drive around in cars and walk on streets we have all come from it mm. we all live in it the whole time in one way or another yeah, i like that so speaking of connection how does someone connect with you ah nice there are a few ways you could check out my instagram page and connect with me that way i think it's underscore alan underscore creed i'll add a link to the show notes as well i have a website which is endless-river.org where i have a few things listed on there including nature connection things and and my mindfulness courses that i run and facebook stuff like that phone <laughs> linkedin i'm on there these days I've so noticed. yeah i mean yeah i try to put myself into the world a little bit because I feel I do have something good to offer. So it's uh, it's worth it. And I feel like there's a way of being an experience in the world, which is a lot more gentle than we are trained to do through education and through business and through the general world of capitalism. And I would love to be part of that movement. And I am. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and even just, you know, people's personal experience, just that, that idea of not being tortured by your own thoughts, not being run by your own ideas of how things should be. That's but really important to, to the world yeah, around you. Exactly. And it's so key. It's, that is so key to evolution in some ways, to relationships, to relationship with beauty, to, you know, joy to relaxation and space and a fulfilling life in so many ways. And to being okay. Yes, exactly. Brilliant. Alan, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed this conversation and didn't get to half of the things I wanted to talk to you about, mm -hmm. which means I might have to invite you back. Oh, go on again, then. Another time. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, Susan. It was great. All right. Thank you. Bye. Right. Bye. Imagine if every day you enjoy work, express yourself fully and exceed expectations. I believe we're all entitled to have this and that the future of work life will be changed by those who strive for and create more fulfilling work lives for themselves, their colleagues, their teams and wider organisation. Thank you for listening today and if you enjoyed this episode, Please leave a review and share it with someone you know who is curious like you.